Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the Starting a Counseling Practice podcast where we connect clinicians from all over the world with amazing stories of how people have started counseling practices, how they go and support therapists who are starting counseling practices um, so that we can all come together and serve our communities with energy and intention and give people great outcomes, even in the midst of the world. And I'm delighted today to have John Clark here to share some of his story. Thank you for having me. I just realized I'm holding my podcast microphone like a karaoke singer because I forgot slash don't know if I own a stand. So if you have a visual version of this, then that's my vibe right now is it's and this will be shared as a blog. Yes, it's going to be so good. You know what? Maybe if we start really going, I'll pick up mine. Yes, and there you we'll go. Just, just a duet. Just go with it. Yeah, and I got my like, I got like my, I got a good like karaoke. Yeah, you really top knot going on. It's the like, end of the well, day. It's you know, it's a natural next step for your day. <laughs> right. Okay. So this is a total sidetrack, but I think some people enjoy it. Feel free to review it if you hate it. There's only a few places in this town since I moved here seven years ago that I've done karaoke. And one of them is the dive bar that happens to be catty corner to our offices that like, and it was like seven years ago that I went there. It has been the place called Larry's beach club. It is anything, but you would think of as a beach club, whatever visual you have. of how nice No, there's a smell. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like moist and dry and, and sandy, but not in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so with that. Yeah. There's a lot of spillage that happens in karaoke. And the last thing I'll say is karaoke is really fun until someone who actually knows what they're doing gets up there and ruins it for everyone, which there's always like that, that person who just absolutely crushes it. And you're sitting there like, well, I'm definitely not going now that you are an actual, have an actual voice from above and you're incredible. And I'm, you know, it's why I don't go karaokeing with Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> she'll, she'll nail it. She really will. But she, she, she's so it's hard to get her to sing, which is absolutely yeah. insane, but she has a yeah. gorgeous voice and it's an actual train singer. Yeah. But like, that's something I you can... want on your team. If it was a team sport, I would want Kelly on my <gasps> karaoke yes, team, but I would too. it's not everything in life's a competition. That's something I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure, John? <laughs> I'm working. I said, I'm working on it. I didn't say I'm there yet. (laughs) Oh my God. Awesome. Okay. So I always like to start with this question, um, to orient everybody, which is kind of a fun question. Um, sometimes more applicable than not. Um, why did you decide to become a therapist in one minute or less? Pop quiz. 
My story is not very original in that I was a, a, had a really tough time as a teenager and a therapist helped my life, saved my life really. And I thought he has the coolest job in the world. And so from a very young age, I was dead set on this path of becoming a therapist. This was like my version of becoming a firefighter or a helicopter pilot of other, <laughs> the other boys in my class. And um, yeah, I never, I just never wavered from it, just became pretty obsessed and, and kept on that path since. And then teaching therapists, coaching therapists has just always been an extension of that helper role in life. So I'm lucky that I can kind of still do both. Yeah. Did you do like the peer, peer counseling in in high school? hundred percent. Yeah. I got nominated right away for like multiple years in a row. And also when they would send new kids (laughs) to the school, I was their buddy. They're like nominated nice boy to, you know, just invite them to the lunch table, which I'd have done. I would have done anyway, but I was more legit and that I had like a badge or like a, you know, a t-shirt that said, you know, that I'm like the liaison for new anxious kids. And now I'm the liaison for anxious adults. And anxious is actually pretty catchy. Yeah. An anxious therapist. Which is, I'm going to write that down for some branding later. Not that that's what this is about, but no, not at all. <laughs> so you knew you wanted to, from the beginning, was it like after you graduated high school, was it a straight shot through college to licensure or did it take a wavering path? It was a straight shot. You know, I was, um, I was and am an ADHD kid and psychology was also the first thing I was good at quote unquote, and mm. that I got, it sort of clicked with me when I took it in high school and I graduated high school with like a two, six, I did re- really poorly, really struggled with how to learn. Um, and again, needed a lot of counseling just to get through those teen years. Mm-hmm. And then in college, I ate it up because everything I was learning was psychology and counseling and interesting. Yeah. And yeah. I <laughs> kind of taught myself how to learn. So I actually didn't go to class most of the time, but I would just go to the library and taught myself how my brain works, or at least how to get, you know, information into, into my brain with, with having ADHD. And that was the rest was history. And I did really well in college and graduate school. So, um, yeah, high school wasn't for me. Um, and (laughs) I was almost convinced that I must be not smart. And luckily, yeah, as a matter of that system, I think kind of failing me to be honest. And also, um, yeah, not really learning how to learn in my case, or being in an environment that thrive that where I can thrive, Someone asked me two days ago, one of our, one of my um, therapist clients, he was like, dude, I don't understand how you do all these things. You have six things going on at once, this and that. And I have created that kind of intentionally because if I don't have six or seven things, then um, I'm, I'm not stimulated. Right. And I get lost and bored and whatever. And part of that's kind of an ADHD thing of learning how to embrace your traits and your tendencies versus working against them. So that's only taken me a lifetime to figure out. So (laughs) (laughs) I've been, I'm same, same, except, uh, you know, oddly enough. So when I was in high school, because if I could, I could kind of remember enough to just kind of do the thing and didn't have to really work that hard in that way. Um, but when it came to college, I always felt such guilt that I couldn't like sit in the class. I couldn't Mm -hmm. just sit and attend. And that like my, I just, didn't go. And people are like, well, didn't you, you know, why didn't you read all the books or do all the things? And it was like, no, I just need to, I just need to know and understand the concept of it. And then like other things flow. And I, I felt like I didn't even know how to like write a paper properly and communicate my ideas to other people until I finished my thesis, like midway yeah, my sure. thesis, something clicked. And I was like, oh, that's what they've been telling me all this time. And somehow I was finally getting like cogent <clears throat> yeah, you know, 
things out, but it takes a lot of time. It takes well, a lot of energy. Yeah. And if, a, if a lot of traditional education is designed around teaching young people to retain information and then regurgitate it, you know, seven hours later or two weeks later, some kids do really well with that. Like my yeah. friend, Kenny Haran, who just thrived and never studied, right. Um, yeah. was really good at that using that part of his brain or whatever, um, mm-hmm. a good test taker, as they say. And in that, yeah. in my case, that wasn't the case. Um, but so just when you like, take yeah. something in, it's yeah. in. It's forever. in, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or just learning to think critically or like solve problems or yeah. be creative or in our, like even in business, not knowing how to do something, but being open to learning by trying it and playing around is a way more naturalistic method of learning for me. And I think probably for a lot of therapists too, if you see it as such, if you see it as, oh, these are interesting business lessons I'm learning on, along the way. Mm-hmm. Whereas I see a lot of others resisting that. And every time something goes yeah. wrong, it's like, oh, stupid. I should have known better. You know, I should have prevented this. Maybe private practice isn't for me. You know, you see that if yeah. you don't have that mindset of this is all interesting and I'm learning and this kind of is my yeah. education. Um, it can feel painful and expensive, but so can yeah, I, MBA, I guess. Well, and I think that's the piece is like, you know, this, this theme has been coming up a lot in terms of, you know, we expect that somehow we go to the school that teaches us nothing about running a business. And then we go and do internships and practicums at places that are not run anything like a business. Yep. And where we think of them as like these, like, oh, this is this nonprofit doing this amazing sliding scale stuff and they have no money and look at all the good they do. And then somehow we missed the part that they had millions of dollars of grants that were like actually fueling all of this. And so then we take this idealistic, unrealistic space into our own businesses and we're like, okay, I'm going to do what the nonprofit couldn't yeah, (laughs) because I'm going to have all this money, not realizing like, oh, I have like a smidgen of the, of the budget that this nonprofit had, and I'm yeah. trying to replicate or expand services that they couldn't do with millions yeah. of dollars. Like, It's interesting, right? Because most therapists, in, in my uh, opinion, start a practice without cash up front or a lump sum yeah. of money or a business loan. Every now and then they do in the rare case, and you know, the therapist that I've helped, someone came to me the other day and said, I need your help. I've got 10 grand to start a practice. What do I do with it? I had another therapist that said, um, I have a family member who left, who, who gave me exactly a hundred grand to start a practice. What would you do with it? Right. And I said, give me half, obviously. And <laughs> been the other half at a website company that I'll get an affiliate for. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> People don't know me. I'm not that evil. Um, But it was an interesting question, right? Of like, you know, given that most people don't have that lump sum of cash to start out with, how do you start piecing it together? And what are the right things to spend money on? Um, Not to mention, like thinking about your own money story and money hangups and everything to begin with is a huge part of becoming a business owner too, because you're going to be handling quite a bit of of money along the way, um, regardless of the size of your practice. So you have to face that stuff one way or another, but yeah. There's, there is so much to unpack there. And I think it's, and it's an interesting piece too, because so many therapists, um, like I was definitely a bootstrapper, you know, for sure. Um, but we will like nickel and dime ourselves Yeah. in terms of time, we will spend 
all of this like time, like I need to save $5 a month. And you're like, you're not saving $5 a month. You're wasting 10 hours a month. Yep. Like, what are you doing? And I think at the same time, there's this, it's, it's either that or either this like miserly, we're making ourselves crazy over little nickels and dimes or this throwing money at it. Yeah. Right. Like we both know that that person with a hundred thousand dollars could go and spend it in a month or two yeah. easily yeah, and not have a full practice. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, and yeah. I have, I have had the people come to us where like they have made those, Oh, well, I hired this marketing firm and I hired this website. They it's $20,000 yeah. here. And this was $10,000 a month. They were spending $5,000 on this, but it was yeah. fine. Cause I was going to, and like, I didn't know what was happening, but like nothing. Then they told me to get on insurance panels. Like now I'm kind of full, yeah. but like, I'm not making a good profit. Yeah. What did I do wrong? And it's like, Oh, like that. Yeah. Like, how do huge. you know who to trust in this yeah. process? You know? This is something that I've come to believe pretty firmly is that um, therapists need to know enough about every area of their business in order to not get ripped off. Right. Yes. And similar to owning a car, you need to know enough about how a car works to not get ripped off. And in a lot of situations, it may make sense to do a lot of things yourself first uh, as you're growing to both learn and save money and then know how to hire and outsource it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I talked to a group practice owner recently who's been doing it for six years and just now hired a bookkeeper, right? Mm -hmm. Didn't know that, hey, that's something that I probably shouldn't be doing as the mm -hmm. business owner, as the CEO. And also, I didn't know someone could do that. Or if I do it, what do I ask for? What do I yeah. look for in a bookkeeper, right? And yeah. um, she actually knows that task pretty intimately in terms of reconciling your books, creating a profit and loss, you know, yeah. making some inferences from that, et cetera. But um, yeah, it, it, it pays to know at least how things work to then go and outsource it, whether it's through website company yeah. or ads, or whatever it is. Yes. Um, like you said, there's a lot of people who will happily take your money, especially if they realize you have no idea what this is actually worth or how much time it takes. Yeah. Um, you so, can yeah. go, you can go and get a website built that looks beautiful and that it has no relation to the clients that you want to reach. And that has no ability yeah. for anyone to find it. <laughs> there's no search engine optimization. There's no keyword analysis. Like there's nothing there. And so then you have this beautiful website and then you're just like waiting for the phone to start ringing going, what did I not, there must be something wrong with me when it's like, yeah. no, number one, do you even know who you want to speak to? Yeah. And before you know that, I don't feel like you should go. There's a few, maybe like cat love. She's mm -hmm. someone who I feel like could help you uncover who your magical thing is. Mm -hmm. But I feel like every other place you need Most to people know will skip that entirely. Yeah. Yeah. You need to know beforehand. And therapists have this idea too, that like a website is something where, oh, they're going to like write it for me. They'll ask 100%. me some questions and they'll do the thing. And like, it'll just be done. They'll pick yeah. out the pictures. They'll tell me what to do. And it's like, no, you pick out the pictures and you provide the content yeah. and you tell them what you keywords you want to, even though yeah. you don't know any of that. Yeah. It, it's, um, it's a lack of vision and everything has to start with vision. And again, this only took me a lifetime to figure out. <laughs> you can certainly just start building randomly and making random decisions or see what someone else did and start doing what they did. 
make your website yeah. look like theirs, pick a niche based on theirs, set your fees based on theirs. And that's a great way to build a really random practice that you're going to then need to go back and renovate later when you go, this is making me unhappy or I'm not making the money I thought I would, or this website, I don't even know who this, who is in this website, right? This doesn't look like me at all. And so spending extra time with that vision in terms of um, who are you, who do you help? Um, as one of my mentors used to say, what keeps you warm at night? We were picking our mm-hmm. dissertation topic. Um, what keeps you warm at night? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um there's a, f- a friend of mine, um, Brian Boucher, who wrote a book about purpose. And he talks a lot about um, the difference between passion and purpose. And passion is just kind of like, yeah, what makes you what makes you hyper, what catches your eye? Um, a lot of times your passions might align better with your hobbies. Your purpose in his definition is really using your gifts to help others, mm-hmm. which in our case, often feels pretty obvious given that a lot of therapists feel like they were kind of born to do this, right. Or they were the peer support, you know, people in middle school Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, uh, and it's natural, right. But that's only the first step of figuring this out in terms of using my gifts to help others and who are others. What, What does that mean? Um, and a lot of therapists, they fear making the, the wrong decision, quote unquote, or picking a direction that they will later um, change their mind on. And that's completely fine and very normal. And that's called a pivot in most businesses or in most startups or corporations, but you don't want to stay paralyzed too long and not trying and not starting. Um, and I think there's a lot of things that you only, um, you, you only know by starting, you only know by kind of like going down the path. And, you know, I think about, trail running right like all trails I have a little app that'll tell me how high something goes and where to do the thing but like that's not always the case with our practice like sometimes we don't have that yeah sometimes they can join your program or our business school or something like that and kind of helps a little bit but realistically you're still the person going up the hill yeah you know it's interesting when you were talking about dissertation I had this like realization like tingle through my body and you're saying like, what keeps you warm at night? And I was thinking like, oh, my, my thesis, I did it on um, the, the overlap and kind of the intersection of ADHD and trauma and how these mm-hmm. look the same in the brain. And I literally like had this moment of like, holy shit, I'm still doing this work. <laughs> like I'm yeah. still doing this yeah. work of like how trauma and inattention and distractibility and mm-hmm. all of these things kind of intersect just from this lens of inside of the therapist world and with, with our clients and like what that looks like. It's such a fascinating thing to see how that, that, that true thread is still there in just what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis, even today. Yeah. Do you, do, is there, is there a true thread like that for you too, in terms of like your dissertation and that like, oh my gosh, I can see even that somehow I'm still doing that with the work that I'm doing with therapists or clients today. It's funny because my, um, my uh, original thesis was on um, uh, mindfulness and hypnosis in the treatment of anxiety, which is a lot of what I've done in my, my clinical work is looking at what happens when you get people into this deeply relaxed state, Mm. which Right now we call it mindfulness. If you were trained like me, you call it hypnosis, right? Um, right. Before that, people in the Bible called it meditation or prayer or whatever it is, getting in this trance <laughs> state, whatever you call it. Um, 
that was just one part of my kind of work. In fact, um, I, after some years in private practice and solo practice out here in San Francisco, I thought, you know, I need to continue to progress my career. And I love, um, I love teaching. I love teaching therapy and teaching therapists. And so the natural next thing was to get a, a PhD in counselor education so I could teach therapists. Mm-hmm. And in that program, about two years into it, I realized that none of the faculty were ready to get behind my research, which was on, guess what, business and private practice for therapists. And the primary message was new therapists have no business learning business, learning about business. Mm. And so um, I eventually left that program. And I will tell you that half of a PhD doesn't get you very far in life. If you, (laughs) if you were wondering if you can put like just the pH or the P and half H on your wall, you can't, but you what could I learned, stack up all of the payments that you made to the pH. I know. Well, <laughs> luckily, you know, that was a big thing for me is I, I decided I would only go to a state school that would pay me to go and pay my tuition and take an assistantship, which is what I did for my master's program. But um, long story short, I have your friend Kelly Higdon to blame for a lot of why I ended up here because I was in that PhD program and my heart, my passion was still, my purpose was still teaching therapists. That was the next iteration of my therapy work was teaching therapists. I could have more impact on people and on the world by teaching therapists to to be the best therapist they can be. Mm -hmm. Um, I was also starting to do business coaching through my company, Private Practice Workshop, and it was just a side gig. And um, I really liked it, but I thought it'd be irresponsible to... (laughs) try to do it full time or just be like, it's like, so my grandma was like, what do you do? You do a podcast for a living, you know? And I'm like, well, kind of, you know, <laughs> I'm YouTube my, famous grandma, but you know, my, my grandma doesn't point. even know what I do anymore. She's, yeah. She's that's like how you know still you're like of like entrepreneur domestic violence. You work with domestic violence. No yeah. grandma. That was 20 years ago. Yeah. It's called TikTok, grandma. You should be on it. <laughs> um, it's epic. No. So, um, I started to realize, yeah, that the program wasn't getting behind me in that research. Mm-hmm. And I, that was going to be a deal breaker for me. And then um, I actually was at a uh, retreat, Joe Sanox retreat that Kelly was helping to host his yeah. slowdown school. Hey, it's Kelly. Are you enjoying today's episode? There is so much more to starting your private practice. That's why we created Business School for Therapists. It's our lifetime access business building program created especially for you and all the future stages of practice that you are going to go through. If you're ready to join a community that supports you, that to have access to a massive library of private practice trainings covering everything from creating your vision to setting your fee to getting you legally covered and more, this is for you. Simply go to bit.ly slash therapist business school to get started. Yeah, And either halfway or toward the end of that week, I had spent, I guess, more time helping the other therapists than, than anything else, even though there's a participant and Kelly is the one who told me a no, without mincing words, you belong here. Mm-hmm. And that made me cry. And I had a meltdown and I, I literally got in the car and left Michigan. I was driving home and I called my now wife and I was mortified at what I was about to tell her that I'm leaving this PhD program. Mm -hmm. And I told her and I was in tears and she said, that makes perfect sense. Like that's you. Right. And this being an entrepreneur and living in this world where we don't have the same rules as academia, but I can still 
help a lot of people. That was the path and the progression and Kelly gave me that permission to, to go do it. Um, and I, yeah, all these years, I still have a small bit of clinical work on the side. I own a group practice now. This is my third practice. Um, now, um, the second one was a group practice I sold in 2019 and, um, it's all in that same realm though, for me Mm -hmm. of, of my, my personal mission, my purpose, it's all aligned, but Mm -hmm. again, I have to have six or seven, you know, pots on the stove to feel stimulated. So (laughs) it's, I will say it's been interesting. Um, my ex-husband when, um, it was always really busy and, uh, I, we, we have this ongoing joke, like, oh, well, as soon as I finish grad school, yeah. oh, as soon as I finish my hours, as soon as I get licensed, oh, yeah, I know that as soon as whatever, I'm like, after a while, it was like, as soon as I finish this, there'll just be something else. <laughs> and it's actually, it's That's only a trap. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and so we would laugh about it, but it's only been the last couple of years that I'm actually finding. And I still am like. I'm multi-passionate, but my job on my day-to-day and my work with clients and like doing coaching and I can get into their website or their SEO Mm -hmm. or help them write a letter or deal with mindset stuff. Just the, like what I do with clients is so varied. I don't need as much stimulation and as many pots Mm -hmm. on the stove because I've created um, a business that kind of just naturally fuels it. And I've worked on some regulation of my nervous system because some of my ADHD tendencies yeah. happen to be trauma, trauma yeah. fired for yeah. me in, in particular. Yeah. Um, but it's, it is a, it's such a good thing to like, know how you work and to know what inspires you and to know that if, if I was just sitting doing the same thing day in and day out, and I was just doing this one thing, you know, it's like people ask and say like, Oh, so you're like, and, so I don't tell people I'm a therapist anymore. I just say, I'm a business consultant. Yeah, I made and that like, mistake oh. on an international flight recently. <laughs> <laughs> Ma'am, can I yeah. move seats? Like, That's exactly how that went. And he said, oh, really? I just left a rehab center <laughs> and I'm flying back home. And I, and I said, why do I do this to myself? <laughs> yeah, no, business consultant anyway, all the way. Yeah. I know there's pros and cons. I know that's yeah. whatever, but I'm like, I'm a business consultant. And they'll say like, well, what, what is your niche? What do you do? And I was like, well, I have a narrow niche, but a wide, like I Let's just <laughs> work with, with this one group, but I do all the things. Yeah. And I'm like, I was like, that's how my brain works. Like I can yeah. hyper-focus, but be real broad. Yeah. And that is like my, my happy place. And I think yeah. that's something going back to this, like work with therapists and them creating their practice is like knowing who you are and really listening to your body, Mm -hmm. listening to what your body says, like, Hey, this doesn't feel good. Like, Hey, it's sucking my energy. And then determining, is this, do I just need more information? Like I don't have the data I need to learn or do I, do I need more support or, Am I doing things out of order? Like, let's mm-hmm. explore those feelings instead of just trying to shove them down and just keep moving yeah. forward. Well, a lot of us are experts at 
sacrificing our own needs because that's how we got here in the first place and being yeah. therapists is being either, you know, the middle child or the helper or mm-hmm. the person that help mom and dad, you know, calm down after a fight or whatever it is, or you were yeah. just a peer mentor in middle school. And so a lot of us are really good at putting our own needs, not second, but third or fourth or fifth or sixth, or not, or, or never, <laughs> right. Which if there's any time to do it, it's now given, you know, yeah. what, what's happening in our world and the tremendous demand and strain on therapists um, and what our clients are asking of us these days. So um, that trap though, you know, of, of, if only I can get to this point, then I'll slow down this point. I'll slow down. Or if I make this amount of money, I'll be happy. Right. That's the other carrot. That's not unique to us as therapists. Um, The other thing is, you know, especially when your money is tied to you seeing another client, even though you told yourself Mm -hmm. or your partner, whoever, you're not going to see anyone past 7 PM that carrot is always there. And that carrot, you know, is always just as tasty. I just had a friend who went through a big personal um, milestone of, of buying a house. And they said, well, I'm actually really freaking out about it now. So what am I going to do? I'm going to take on a whole bunch more clients. And I said, even though you've been telling me dude for the last year that you're going to cut your clients in half and see less, right. And spend more time with, with, with your, with your wife, your kid and all this. And it's like, yeah, yeah, but it'll just be temporary. Uh, no. And I said, yeah. I said, call Miranda, call Kelly. They're going <laughs> to, they're going to make you cry and teach you something and be like, you're right. I got to, ch- I got to up my fees. I'm seeing too many people, you know, I think but it was the, that, that eternal carrot. And, but I think that's yeah. the piece too, is that we, we look at something and say, and we have a realization that something needs to change, whether that's because yeah. our kids came to homeschool, we had a child, we buy a house. Um, we finally sit down with a financial planner and realize things are not good, whatever the scenario yeah. is. And then we, instead of say, putting everything on the table and say, okay, something needs to change and here are my options. It's okay. Something needs to change, but I can't say no to any clients. Oh, I can't raise not. my, I can't yeah. raise my fees. I can't let anyone down. I can't drop any insurance plans. Right. 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 Um, and um, you know, all the things. So what's left, I, I have less sleep. Yeah. Or I stopped somehow going to I make this yoga ma- or whatever I was doing. I never to went. Take care what are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. <laughs> I take that off as that future aspirational thing. And then like I I just start listening to podcasts going, okay, I just need this magical course that's gonna be a million dollar course. And yeah. then I start fantasizing yeah. about something to to um ooh, help me escape or that's gonna like rescue yeah, it's me. A silver bullet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, I mean, how often does that happen? Like so yeah. infrequently. And I the burnout that, right now is crazy. Yeah. I think most of us, you know, there's something we're not being fully honest with ourselves about, right. And having people to call you out on that, um, or in some cases give you permission. Um, mm-hmm. I, I tell our, my clients all the time, you know, um, if you're waiting around for permission to raise your fee or see less people or start that you know, new thing you wanted to start. This is your permission. I'm literally telling you, this is your permission yeah. to go do it and to yeah. not give a, you know, what about what people think or what <laughs> other therapists think. And sometimes that's all they need to go. Really? Oh, you're right. I can, you're right. I can do that. And I, and I will. Um, well, and here's yeah. the weird thing is that like, we have this just messed up system where if you like, when we were started talking about burnout, we did a burnout training in December, right? And we were talking about it on like Facebook groups and people were saying, if you're burnt out, you shouldn't be seeing clients, right? So 
there is this, but also let's take it back one. Oh, you know what? You shouldn't drop that insurance plan. You shouldn't raise that fee. But yeah. basically it's saying no to all the things that are systemically leading people to burnout yeah. and then shaming them for b- being burnout. And when you said no to all the things beforehand that yeah. could have possibly protected or, or helped this person recover, it's just a mess. Yeah. I mean, I think so much of my work and mission is also around, you know, not only reducing stigma around receiving mental health, but promoting the position and the value of our industry in society. And one way that we prevent that is we keep ourselves, um, stuck and we judge each other and we shame each other and you shame the therapist that's got the higher fees or is taking more time off or sees you only see how many people per week yeah oh gosh so you're not really a therapist or you're whatever um it's it's it can be very toxic you know for lack of a better word and most of the time what i find is that therapist businesses are built on absolutely absolute randomness in the first place yeah so when you sit down and go, well, but I, I, you know, John, I'm thinking that I need to change how much I pay my therapist in my group practice because I just heard that someone else is paying more. It's like, well, good for, and I don't know how they're able to pay 60% per session, this and that. I'm freaking out. Can we look at it? And it's like, dude, they probably based it on absolute randomness or nothing, yeah. or even if they are doing it and profitable and this and that, who cares, right? Like yeah. go back to your vision go back to your yeah. plan, implement that plan, pick a couple people who can help you make decisions yeah. along the way yeah. and let the rest be noise and just focus on yeah. serving people. Um, the numbers don't yeah. lie. And I yeah. love taking therapists back to the numbers. Like we do that in business school all the time where it's like, we have this crazy piece of software that people put the information in and we're like, okay, take that information from the other person. They're like, I would be paying the people to work if I was to do this. I'm like, It doesn't matter because sometimes those other people have made those decisions. Often they don't even know that they're not profitable. They just look at, I have a seven figure profit practice, or I have a $500,000 practice. The, the group practice um, groups that I'm in where there's someone going, well, you know how it is. I'm working 70 hours a week and I make barely any profit. But like, oh, look at this. I, you know, I made seven figures. No, you didn't. Yeah. You you generated seven figures and you made 2k. Um, no, it's, it's huge. And, and then we get into this, you know, backtracking of, oh my gosh, because I designed my business so randomly or without numbers or a plan or guidance, Mm -hmm. I've got to now backtrack and let people go or change the fee structure, whatever it is, you know, I, but therapists will like, how many therapists do you know that they are more willing to close the business down than make the change because they're so yeah. ashamed and embarrassed? They'll either do that or they'll start seeing 30 clients a week again. And they're pulling in all their own profit for the practice mm-hmm. and they're just flat on their seven clinicians. Mm-hmm. So group practice only works with some volume and most people don't realize that either. And it's also not an acceptable passive income stream. There's just so many you know, <laughs> reasons to, to not do it. And there are good reasons to do it. If it's all very intentional, like yeah. I'm agnostic to everything. I just tried to have our therapists that work with us. You have to sell me on why you're doing something. So if you mm-hmm. say, I want to make $300,000 a year, that number is irrelevant to me. Why that number? Yeah. Most of the time, oh, it sounds good. It sounds like a lot or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, you might need a lot less than you think. And you can yeah. generate 150 K in 20 hours a week. 
if you just do this or see these clients or adjust this fee mm -hmm. and you're closer than you think, or you, you know, sit down with your family and actually make a plan on your business and your life and your finances and sit down with a financial planner and just be intentional about all of it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a much better business for you both now and long-term if you have intention with all of that and just slow down, slow down and make, you know, make decisions slowly. Um, yeah. Cause a lot of times, yeah, it's harder to go backwards. You know, in that case, we had a, a group practice owner in one of our groups, uh, our, our business made human group come the other week. And she said, guys, I have terrible news, terrible news. She said, I work with this, these accountants, uh, it's the green Oaks accounting people. And I'm saying that cause I think they're doing really good work for therapists mm -hmm. right now. This is not a affiliate plug, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they help therapists drill down to the numbers and they're not yeah. emotional about it. Cause yeah. it's not their business. It's not their baby. Right. And she said, yeah, they, these green Oaks people, they started with me and they sent me down and they said, you're losing money on all of your part-time employees, all of them. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's great news. That's great because now, you know, and you can yeah. do something about it and you have yes. the facts. And she was like, what, what? Why, why is that good news, right? This is terrible. And I have to tell these people and call them like, no, this is so good that you know this now before you double yeah. in size, right? This yeah. is so good that you know this and have facts to back yes. it up and aren't just guessing that like, yeah, you know, they're seeing clients and they each have 10. So it's probably fine. So it was like, I was like, this is great that you have no. this information now. I think that's the piece, like have therapists learning how to run those numbers and to do those projections beforehand too, because yeah. our clients all the time they'll go in and say, Oh, I thought, Oh, I really can't. They have to see this video. It doesn't make sense. Or here are the different pieces. And they'll be like, Oh, and it, they kind of come back even from the projections. This is terrible news. What I thought was going to work. Isn't going to work. We're like, oh, it's no, news. it's good yeah. because now you don't even have to hire those people yeah. backtrack. You can just now yeah. explore. So Let's talk about as we kind of, cause we could talk all day. Clearly. Yeah, clearly. I know. We could go to karaoke <laughs> if I lived in your town, go to Come to gyms or whatever. We will not Larry's, Larry's Beach <laughs> Club. It's right there. Uh, we will take we'll Kelly with a muscle past it. Yeah. and um, she will not be able to do that. Perfect. <laughs> that <would be> fun. <laughs> Perfect. Um, what would be, and, and I want to, I know we, we sort of touched on this idea of burnout yeah. in this kind of like weird sort of way of just like what we see therapists in pain and struggling, yeah. what would be your biggest piece of advice to a therapist that feels like lost or like they're struggling right now out in the world that's listening to this? It would just be that you don't, you probably have to do less than you think mm -hmm. to have, to get what you need. Mm -hmm. And I have these reminders in my own document that I look at every single morning and they're basically affirmations and they mm -hmm. say cheesy things. They're cheesy to me. Like, I'm doing enough to help enough people and I have all that I need, mm. right? Or I'm doing these things to make this amount of money so that I can go do these things, right? Mm -hmm. And spend time with my daughter and surf and practice music and whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that help protect me from burning out completely. It doesn't mean I don't experience mm -hmm burnout and symptoms and phases where I'm like, wow, I'm very tired all the time yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, so I think for therapists, you know, the demand isn't going anywhere. In fact, the numbers would say, and Google searches would say there, you know, demand for therapists is at an all time high and that's not going away anytime soon. Mm -mm. This is the tip of the iceberg. There's going to be a mm -hmm. huge supply and demand issue in our industry in the coming years because not enough therapists are graduating. 
So you have to design your business better, protect your time, raise your fees. Um, mm-hmm. And you have to um, also get creative, look at different ways of better leveraging your time, whether that's going from one-to-one to one to a group, maybe group therapy is a great way to keep helping people, but make mm-hmm. a lot more per hour or potentially putting, you know, what you know really well into a product that can still help people. Like I have a client who is, it has an extremely effective way of treating selective mutism, right. Mm-hmm. And helping and helping parents through it. It's mm-hmm. a perfect kind of idea for something like a course, a book, yeah. a membership site, whatever it is. Um, I just want therapists to be creative and keep thinking about how I can take some of my expertise and better leverage it to both help more people and probably make more money um, if it's done right. Yeah. I think that's a piece too. Like even like there's been some fear, there was some talk before the pandemic happened, there was talk about recession stuff. Yeah. And so I was researching it beforehand and mental health right during recession, like there was these sure. people talking about the yeah. GFE. They're like, the GFE is going to yeah. kill private practice. I'm like, Mental no, it's not <laughs> like, it's not like none of this is going yeah. to kill mental health. Like we yeah. are really necessary, but there's these, these messages out there that people are perpetuating. And I actually saw like a, a private practice coach kind of like perpetuating one of them. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what, what? No, no, we're good. We're good. Yeah. Um, So I love that. So tell people a little bit more about how they can work with you, John. Yeah, we have a weekly mastermind program. It's called Business Made Human. It's about designing a purpose-driven practice. It's based on your personal purpose, your values, your lifestyle. We also get into the nuts and bolts of actually how to build the business. And I have a a whole curriculum that, that teaches you the nuts and bolts. Um, we meet every single week for an hour. I also give, um, you've got unlimited coaching with me in a weekly office hour where you can come and get help as needed. And we run for six months at a time. So the doors just opened today, February, oh, yesterday, February 1st. And then they close on Tuesday, February 15th. Uh, we got a group for solo practitioners, one for group owners, and uh, it'll close again for another six months. So yeah, if you're interested, privatepracticeworkshop.com, click on business made human and um, hop on a call with me if you're interested in joining. So either way, thanks for, yeah, listening to my (laughs) tangential (laughs) tendencies. Also, sorry, not sorry. Not really sorry. I'm working (laughs) on that. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, John Clark, for being here. And for those of you who are listening, if you found value today, um, go and uh, check out John Clark. Did you share your web address actually? I mean, we'll yeah. put it in the show notes too. Yeah, but... privatepracticeworkshop.com should have everything you need. Yeah. There you go. Awesome. Um, so again, if you check out the show notes at zinnyme.com forward slash podcast, you can also check out our free trainings over there. Review us on where we listen to the podcast, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and know that we are here to support you. You are needed. You are valuable out in the world. Um, don't give up. Don't let anyone else tell you that you can't do this and that you don't matter because you do matter like hell. Bye. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable profitable solo or group practice, head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.